Hey everyone, it's great to talk to you again. This is Brian, the pastor of Mount Hope Church's Belmont campus in Belmont, Massachusetts. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. This week's sermon, this was our Easter sermon, the Sunday that we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We had a great morning together, and I'm glad you're going to take a listen to it. We talked about the fact that each one of us has a limited amount of time on this earth. And how we all want to make sure that we're not wasting the time that we have. And so we ask the question, how can we be sure that we're not wasting our time? How can we be positive that we're not wasting our lives? And we'll answer that question here in the next few moments. If you're in the Belmont area, we'd love for you to visit with us. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or at 51 Lexington Street in Belmont, Massachusetts. You can find out more at our website, which is Mount Hope, all spelled out, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot org. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll listen closely, because I believe that God has something he wants to say to you. In just a few moments, we're going to be uh, in a book of the Bible. We're going to read from a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. And so if you have a Bible with you, or maybe you have it on your phone, and there's some Bibles in the chairs, in front of the chairs in front of you, you may want to grab one of those. You're not sure exactly where 1 Corinthians is, you can turn to that table of contents. It's the seventh book under the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then you'll find 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 15 in just a couple of moments. Before we get there, though, before we get there, I want you to think about something with me. Imagine with me, imagine that you were in a situation where every single day where you, when you woke up, somehow, magically and mysteriously, someone deposited into your bank account $86,400. And you woke up and you looked in your bank account and it was there. And then the next day you looked and it was there again. Imagine if that happened. Imagine if that was true. And you weren't sure exactly where it was coming from. But every morning you got up and looked, there it was. $86,400. Now watch this. Take out your phone. Check your bank account balance right now. (laughs) That would have been impressive, though. That would have been impressive. I bet David Blaine could do it, but I can't do it. Listen, imagine if someone did that. Imagine if that happened every single morning. $86,400 into your account, and you weren't sure exactly where it came from, but it was there every single morning. Now, here's the catch with it, though. The catch is you have to spend it every day. There's no rollover money. It has to be spent every single day. And it has to be either invested into something or it's just gone. How would you deal with that situation? The truth is all of us do have somewhat of a bank account like that. It's not in dollars, but it is in seconds. And every morning you wake up and someone puts into your account... 86,400 seconds that you have an opportunity to spend. And there's no rollover seconds, right? Either you invest them into something or you waste them and they're gone. But every morning you have them. You get up and in that day there's 86,400 seconds. 
Now, here's something that uh, we know. Time, time is not a commodity. It's not something that can be traded. It's not something that can be bought and sold. But time, like we're talking about this morning, is a currency. We invest it, and we spend it in some way. And so every day, we take those 86,400 seconds, and we invest them. Sometimes we invest them into things that are valuable, and sometimes we invest them into things um, that aren't so valuable. But every day, we take those 86,400 seconds, and we invest them into something. And I don't know about you, but I can tell you this about me, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing that all of us in this room feel the exact same way here. I want to make sure that the time that I have, that this life that I have, that I am using it wisely. I can't get any more. I can't go to a store and buy more time. I can't, I can't take time and say, I'm not going to spend this hour today. I'm going to let it roll over till tomorrow. And you can't do it either. And I want to make sure, I want to make sure, like you do, that I am investing my time, my life, into things wisely. And I'm going to ask us to think about that for the next few minutes together. Are we doing that? Are you in your life right now, am I in my life, taking this time that we have, that I have, and using it for what matters? Or am I just wasting it on things that don't? I'll tell you, some of the people we feel the most sorry for in life, some of the people that we pity, I guess is a good word, are the people that feel like they're using their time wisely, but we look at them and, and feel like they, they aren't, and, and they don't even know it. Like, the person that's on the reality game show, or where it's dancing, or it's singing, and they're trying out to be on it, and clearly they're passionate about what they do. Clearly they're passionate about dancing. Clearly they're passionate about singing. But as they try out for the show, it's clear to everybody else, the judges and the entire world, that this is not what they should be doing with their life. And someone in their life is telling them they're really good at it, uh, but that's not helping the situation. And we pity people like that. The people that aren't in on the joke. Sometimes people are in on the joke. They know I'm not very good at this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. But the person that's not in on it, that, that really feels like they're doing something valuable, but they're, but they're really not. And we know it. We feel sorry for that person. How do we know that's not us? That's what I want to ask you this morning. You know, for the, for, for the person that's going into school and is about to spend ten thousand or tens of thousands of dollars on a college degree, and they're getting their degree in something that we're not quite sure is going to be valuable when they're done, uh, we kind of pity them. I remember when I was going to college, a family friend said to me, what are you going to study? And I said, well, I'm thinking that I'm going to go and study to be a pastor. And he looked at me and he said, why? <laughs> Don't you want to be successful? I said, well, I, I guess not. <laughs> but that's our reaction, isn't it? When someone comes in and they're like, hey, I'm going to school and it's philosophy. We're like, good for you. And in our head, we're like, wow, is that worth it? But those kinds of people, the person that is throwing everything into a business venture 
and we really don't think it's going to work out for them. We, we pity those people, people that we see that are wasting their time. The thing that I want us to think about this morning is how do we know that's not us? Especially if you're someone that chooses to follow Jesus with your life, how do you know that's not you? See, one thing about following Jesus is if you know anything about it or if you've experienced it, it's an all-or-nothing proposition. Okay, we choose to follow Jesus Christ. We're pushing all our chips into the middle of the table. You're either all in on this thing or you're not in it at all. It's an all-or-nothing deal where God gets complete control of your life and we give him everything and we surrender everything to him and we tell him he can do whatever he wants with our lives and we receive his grace and mercy and love or we don't. Sometimes we like to try to play a game where we try to be half in and half out. But really, if we're going to follow Jesus, it's either we're all in or we're not. So if you take everything that you have, your entire life and all that entails, your your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions, your gifts, your money, your family, and you push that all into following Jesus, how do you know or can you know that at the end, you're not going to look back and have wasted time. And the reverse is true. If you're choosing not to do that, how do you know that that's the right decision with your time? Can you know whether or not you're wasting your time? I think a lot of people in our world look at those people who do put everything into following Jesus and they pity Christians, they pity followers of Jesus the same way we pity the American Idol contestant or the same way we pity the person who's following the business venture that we really don't think is going to work out. The world looks at the Christians and say, those poor people who don't get it, those poor people who are wasting their life on something that doesn't matter, how do we know? How do we know whether or not we're doing that? I want to suggest to you this morning that there is one simple question that you and I can answer. And if we answer that question, it will definitively determine whether or not we are wasting our time and wasting our lives following Jesus, or if we're wasting our time and wasting our lives not following him. There's one question, and if that question gets answered, it will help clear up the picture for us and let us know if we're doing the right thing with our time, if we're investing wisely, or if we're not. And that simple question that I need to answer in my life and that you need to answer in your life is this. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus rise from the dead? That's the question I want you to think about over the next few minutes. Because how we answer that question How we answer that question will impact dramatically whether or not we know if we are using the time that we have in our lives wisely or if we're just wasting it away. About 2,000 years ago, there was a man who lived, and his name was Paul. And Paul is someone who's pretty important uh, within the Christian faith, Paul is somebody who had fully invested his life in a certain way of living. I mean, he was all in. Paul was not a guy that, that divided his uh, attention or divided his, his loyalties. Paul was all in. And Paul, in the early part of his life, was all in against Jesus and against his followers. And then something happened in Paul's life 
where Paul came in contact with Jesus who had risen and everything changed for him. He went from being 100% against investing his life in following Jesus to pushing everything into that pile and following Jesus with everything that he had. And for Paul, this too was the big question. When his answer on this question changed, his whole life changed. And one of the things that Paul did was Paul, he started a number of churches and he would write letters to those churches to encourage them in their faith, encourage them in following Jesus. And those letters, those letters make up over half of what we call the New Testament. And this morning I want to read part of one of those letters. You see, what happened in one church in a city called Corinth is that there was a group of people in the city, in that church, who started to say that resurrection from the dead was not possible. It wasn't possible. Couldn't happen. And that really bothered Paul because Paul sees this question as so central to whether or not it's worth following Jesus Christ. It really bothered him that some of the people in that church were saying resurrection is just not possible under any conditions or any circumstances. And so Paul, in his letter to those people, felt like he had to address that because of the value of this question to determining the course of our lives. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 through 20, or 16 through 19, this is what Paul says. Remember, some are saying that no one can be raised from the dead. Paul writes, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You see, Paul knows that this question of whether or not Jesus rose from the dead is so central to whether or not it's worth following Jesus with everything that we have and with our whole lives. And so when he heard that some people were saying that it's not possible for anyone ever to rise from the dead, Paul wrote to them and he said, listen, if you're saying that, Jesus, that no one could rise from the dead, that means that, means that, that Jesus did not rise from the dead. And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, Paul is saying in these verses, then three things are true. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then three things are true. The first thing that Paul says is true is Paul says, basically, uh, life is meaningless. Life loses its value. Our faith is futile, he says. It becomes pointless. If you're here this morning and you're someone that doesn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm glad you're here. But let me suggest to you this morning that even if you don't believe, we should at least still somewhere inside of ourselves want this to be true. Because the reality is, if Jesus did not rise from the dead and resurrection from the dead is not possible and life with God eternally is not a real thing, then our entire lives here on this earth lose all meaning. If this world came from a giant fireball and will end in one, if this universe exploded and will one day implode on itself, 
then what is the point of anything that we're doing? We are so passionate. These are all good things. We're so passionate about, about justice. And we're so passionate about the environment. And we're so passionate about all of these issues that are important. We want to get clean water to people. We want to make sure people that are poor are taken care of. Those are all good things. But if the earth and the universe started from nothing and ends in nothing, then what are we really doing it for? Why are we so passionate about that? If in a million years the universe ends and we all take care of the earth and stop using coal and start recycling all things that I'm for, but there's no life after this earth, so it goes from a million years to now it goes to a million and fifty years, what difference does it make? If there is no resurrection from the dead, if Jesus does not rise from the dead, if there is not this opportunity for us to spend eternity with him, the problem that we have is life loses all its meaning. I would suggest to you that as we walk further away from believing this and trusting God with this and we watch the, the rise of depression and suicide in our culture, that there is a direct correlation. Life loses meaning. What's it all for? So Paul would say to us, listen, it loses meaning. It becomes pointless. The other thing that happens if Jesus didn't rise from the dead is we lose hope. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead and there's no possibility that we might spend eternity with him, then hope is lost. Two years ago, uh, the New York Times ran an interview with Larry King. You may know Larry King. He had a show on CNN for 275 years, and he's been a political you know, commentator for a long time. And uh, in that article, one of the things that's discussed is that Larry King has an overwhelming fear of death. And he wasn't secret about it. He talks about it through the whole interview. This overwhelming uh, all-consuming thought process where he is so afraid of his own death. In fact, he said he takes four human growth hormone pills every single morning just to try to extend his life as much as he possibly can. And even more than that, Larry King, who's someone who's very proud to be uh, not religious in any way, he said that he's already made plans to have himself cryogenically frozen so that when doctors figure out what killed him, they can unfreeze him, fix it, and he can live again. And he said to the interviewer, he said, I realize even as I say that, that that is an insane way to think. That that is probably never going to happen. But if I don't allow myself to think that that's a possibility, I am overwhelmed because I have no hope. Jesus didn't rise from the dead and there's no possibility that we might have an eternity with him. Then we become like Larry King, a place where there is no hope. And think about it, even if doctors did do that, even if magically, like Han Solo, he could be unfrozen and live again. The universe still ends. So what does he gain? 
And the final thing that Paul would say to us is, listen, if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, then life becomes meaningless. We lose hope. And guess what? If you're following Jesus, you should go do something else with your life. You're wasting your time. Paul says, we should be pitied the most, way more than the American Idol contestant, way more than the business person who's going after something that isn't going to happen, way more than the student who might be investing in a degree they're not going to use. We should be pitied more than anybody, Paul says, because here we are throwing everything we have into something that really isn't true. I mean, if Jesus rose from the dead, we can be all excited about all the stories that are in the Bible, but if he didn't do that, then we should probably go do something else. It would be great. Sunday mornings, we could sleep in, have brunch, and mow the yard like normal people if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And that's where it leaves us if the answer to that question is no. But here's the great truth we celebrate today. Jesus did rise from the dead. That tomb was empty on Sunday mornings. When the women went to see his body, it was gone. And he did appear to his disciples. And then he did appear, Paul tells us in this same letter, to 500 other people. And a movement did start that was born out of that. And almost overnight, you have this group of followers that on a Friday were running and hiding and scattering. And just a few years later, there is this massive movement of people Thousands of people who are following this Messiah named Jesus because he did rise from the dead. And what happens when we recognize that Jesus rose from the dead is all of a sudden this world does have meaning. There's an author that I really enjoy. His name is N.T. Wright. And he writes this in one of his books. He said, the message of the resurrection is that this world matters. That the injustices and pains of this present world must now be addressed with the news that healing, justice, and love have won. If Jesus Christ is truly risen from the dead, Christianity becomes good news for the whole world. News which warms our hearts precisely because it isn't just about warming hearts. Easter means that in a world where injustice Violence and degradation are endemic. God is not prepared to tolerate such things and that we will work and plan with all the energy of God to implement victory of Jesus over them all. If Jesus rose from the dead, then suddenly this world does matter. We have received grace and mercy and experienced love and goodness of the highest kind. And we are filled with the joy that comes from knowing that where we were once dead and apart from God, we are now alive in him. And so that motivates us to go out and to make this world a better place to be, to go out and to show love to other people, to go out and end the injustice, to go out and to do the work of caring for this world, not just to live longer, but to bring glory back to the God who has saved us and shown us his grace. All of a sudden, our day-to-day life has meaning. All of a sudden, if Jesus rose from the dead, we have hope. We have hope because this isn't the end. We have hope because we will be raised again and spend an eternity with him if we put our trust in Jesus Christ as the great author and thinker and philosopher C.S. Lewis once said to his friend, Christians never say goodbye. 
Christians never say goodbye. It's always see you later. Even if it's the last day on this earth, it's always see you later because there is a hope beyond this world that exists in Jesus Christ. And if Jesus, since Jesus rose from the dead, this world has meaning. And since Jesus rose from the dead, we have hope. And since Jesus rose from the dead, if you want to be sure that you are not wasting your time and wasting your life, the only right response is to throw everything that you have into following him. Anything else would be a waste of time. Anything less than that would be a waste of life. Because he has risen from the dead. And so he is worthy of everything that we have. And no matter what ups and downs we experience, no matter what questions come our way, the truth of the resurrection compels us to continue to follow him, compels us to continue to trust him, compels us to continue to love him and honor him and find joy in him, no matter what happens in this world. See, here's the tricky thing about time. You never quite know how many days that 86,400 seconds are going to be deposited into your account. One of my favorite preachers is named Dr. Tony Evans. If you've ever heard Tony Evans, he gets all fired up. And he says, you know, the way we count our age is that we count it from our birthday. In fact, in, in our family, our extended family, April is a big birthday month. We have a ton of birthdays in April. And so we're celebrating birthdays every week this month. And that's how we all do it, right? We count our age from our birth date. Tony Evans says, you really want to know how old you are? Don't count from your birth date. Count to your death date. Because if you're 42 and you're going to live to 101, you're pretty young. But if you're 17 and you're going to live till 19, you're very old. Here's the challenge with that. We don't know. We have no idea. We know when we were born, we have no idea when it's going to be over. And so we better be sure that we are not wasting the time that we have. And each and every one of us needs to at least take the time to think about this question. Did this really happen? Did Jesus rise from the dead? And if our answer is yes, then we need to throw our entire lives behind it. And if the answer is is, is no, if we think the answer is no, I would say to you this morning, you at least, because of the value of this question, need to spend enough time with it Understanding why so many other people say yes. We need to have some other explanation for the fact that the early church explodes and all these followers show up in a culture where not just the Jewish leaders didn't want it to happen, but the Roman officials didn't want it to happen. We need to have a better explanation for why when all these people started following Jesus and they hated it so much that they were persecuting them and beating them and killing them and whipping them, why somebody didn't just go to the tomb and say, fellas, here he is. And throw it up on Facebook so that everybody would know. That everybody would know that they were doing something that wasn't true. That's all that had to happen. Word would have spread very quickly. 
The known world, the, the, the circles were very small. But the reality is they couldn't do it. No one could produce the body that would have shut the whole thing down. And then we have to understand why all of these people were willing to suffer great persecution and great suffering. Why the disciples, if they made this whole thing up, would spread themselves around the known world and be willing to suffer and die for the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. If they made it up, surely one of them, as they were totally separated across different parts of the globe, would have said when the spear was coming down on them or the nails were going into their hands or, or, or the axe was coming down, one of them would have said, okay, 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 okay. All right, Peter talked us into it. But no one does. And so we have to have a good explanation for that. I would say to you today, the explanation is that Jesus rose from the dead. Because we also have to have an explanation for the fact that Paul decides to go from being someone who is lauded in society and living like a king to someone who is beaten and in prison and in chains and ultimately gives his life for a risen Christ. We have to understand why so many people in this room and literally billions of people around the world say, I have experienced the resurrected Christ and he has changed my life and I have experienced grace and mercy and joy and peace unlike anything else. If we're going to answer no, then we need to have a plausible explanation for all of those things. All of those things tell me yes. Absolutely, Jesus has risen from the dead. And so we are not, as Paul would suggest, we do not have to worry about people pitying us for wasting our lives. We need to take everything that we have and all that we are and invest it into following him. Because he is the risen Lord and Savior. I'm going to invite our worship team up to the stage, and I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to spend a couple of time... Hey, thanks again for listening to this sermon from the Belmont campus of Mount Hope. If you live in the Belmont area, we'd love to have you join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you'd like to know more about Mount Hope Christian Center with campuses in Burlington and Belmont, Massachusetts, you can visit our website at www.mounthope.org.